The 2022 draft season heating up. The league ascending on Indianapolis for the Combine next week. Matt getting his draft rankings ready for next week's podcast. But today, we look back at the 2021 draft class right now. You're listening to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show, your daily podcast on the National Football League, powered by the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show. We're going to look back at the 2021 rookie class before we jump into Matt Williamson's top five rankings by position next week for the 2022 rookie class and the draft. And things are getting very interesting when it comes to the draft. We've got the Combine coming up in Indy. Matt, I believe you will be there at the Combine. Is that correct? That is correct. It's been a couple of years because of this COVID mess, but we are driving there. It's about a six-hour drive. Smooth sailing, flat as can be. I think we're leaving Monday morning, coming home Friday late afternoon, something like that. Ooh, so pretty soon. Slight. Always fun. Always fun. I know everyone goes for the shrimp cocktail, right? Is that at, at St. Oh. Elmo's or something like that? Is that the name of the spot? I've never been there. 100%. It's St. Elmo's Steakhouse, and their claim to fame is they bring out these massive shrimp cocktails that are smothered in their cocktail sauce, and... The sauce, I mean, it makes you cry, but it's so good. It is so unbelievably harsh from, you know, just opening your sinuses with the first bite. I even went so far a couple months ago and found their sauce online as well as their horseradish sauce, like you put on steak Mm. and stuff, and got it shipped to the house so that I could have the uh, the wife try it and my parents. You can have the combine in July if you want. Exactly. It knocks you out. It's I great. love that. Is and so yeah. is that also a good place to rub elbows and have some nice, you know, maybe with a couple of, of uh maybe some lubricated conversations, right, with certain NFL people and maybe get some real dirt or there's some other better spots for that sort of a thing, maybe a more of a divey bar, maybe a little bit more uh low key spot for some of those conversations. Yeah, I mean like this is a pretty cool thing. Like the Steelers will buy us a one dinner at St. Elmo's. Like we rent out a room. So we go there at least once and just a select number of us, maybe there's 25 people in the room and everything's on them. And that's awesome. Um, I don't spend a ton of time at St. Elmo's cause I'm not made out of money. You know I mean? It's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's an expensive place to sit there and sip martinis or whatever. But it's definitely somewhere you got to stick your head and get at least one trim cocktail over the week. And there's plenty of other spots. I mean, every place you go is loaded with NFL people. I mean, it's it's amazing how much they infiltrate a couple area block a block area of Indianapolis. You know, like I, I remember coming home from the bar one time at like 1:30 a.m. passing a steak and shake, and Andy Reid's in there eating burgers. You know, like you just bump into people <laughs> right. the whole time you're there. Yeah, the post bar food scene is probably a solid spot because you yeah. you get some very raw conversations. I'm sure hotel lobby bars. Oh, right? there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and and that's packed. what's amazing about Indianapolis, and I've heard them try to you know talk about maybe moving the combine to some other places and the walking distance of everything that's right downtown there and it's very uh, and cool I, yeah. I think that's the perfect place for it and you, you know the super bowl's in la and it's you know you want to have your biggest event in the biggest cities and stuff like that but you got to drive like an hour and a half to do anything in la and and so for something like the combine where everybody needs to be in a small area i think it just really works in india and i hope they don't move that one that's why it was there originally you know is I forget the number, but it's a very high number of NFL franchises can drive there. I mean, including Pittsburgh, you know, but I'm sure 
Cleveland, Cincinnati. I mean, there's a long list of teams that can drive there at a reasonable rate. Everything's flat and easy to get to. They have a massive convention center that's perfect for all the events and everything. And it's easy to get to the stadium for those that go watch things live. And what's cool, I mean, my city doesn't have this. Like, you don't have to walk outside if you don't want. There's all these walkways that connect things. Because there's times it's freezing there. And I mentioned how flat it is. I mean, the, the wind goes right through you once in a while. We've got to get into these rankings. And we're going to start yeah, yeah. with ESPN's 2021 NFL draft rankings after we've seen the rookie class play for one full season ESPN ranked the the entire league's rookie classes one through 32 and this isn't you know ranking players this is ranking the entire draft class uh, for for every team in the NFL the first caveat being obvious is this it's way too soon right like you gotta wait you gotta wait a few years especially with these quarterbacks and and I think that's the most telling aspect of this is the the best draft class was the team that had the quarterback that played the best in his rookie season and and that was the new england patriots and we'll highlight the top few we'll highlight the bottom few draft classes according to espn our thoughts if they got this list wrong uh, just based on those rookie seasons even you know not even looking ahead three years um and maybe some that were missed in the middle of the rankings as well but i'll just list off the top five teams really quick and we'll get a little bit deeper into these number one was the new england patriots Two was the Houston Texans. Again, maybe the second best rookie season from a yeah, quarterback. Yeah, Davis Mills was really good. It was Davis Mills. Uh, number three was the Kansas City Chiefs. Number four, the Las Vegas Raiders. Number five, the Cleveland Browns. I think it's pretty telling, and they're leaning heavily on the production from rookie quarterbacks that were drafted by both the Patriots that are ranked one and Mac Jones and Davis Mills. Look, the Houston Texans didn't have a first or second round pick. They had five draft picks, right. two thirds, yeah. two fifths, and a sixth, and they had the second best class. So uh, even with Davis Mills playing well, I do have some problems here with both of these classes. I'm interested to hear what you say about these top classes and how they have them ranked here by ESPN. Yeah, I don't know that I put the Patriots one. Well, a couple notes I'm going to throw out there first is I'm not criticizing the article. It's not an easy article to write, that's for sure. I'm criticizing um, it. They they blew yeah, it. Come on. I guess we got it. We can. Fire the entire um, editorial staff. <laughs> um, I do know this for a fact because it's it, my team was right in the mix here. I wish they had snap counts here. That would interest me. Mm-hmm. But I know this for a fact that the teams that played the most rookie snaps this year were the Jets and Lions, as you would imagine, and the Steelers. You know, so some of these teams made a concerted effort to get younger Pittsburgh. You wouldn't think about in that light, you know, the jets and lions, you're like, Oh yeah, play all the rookies. Um, and Houston did as well. And, but they didn't have as many guys, you know, like I, I like seeing Houston at two, but the Davis mills really have a strong enough year to weight that, that heavily. I mean, I think they found a starter in Davis mills and that's promising, but like you said, I mean, they had a third, a third, two fives and a fifth. And, was Nico Collins or Brevin Jordan enough to boost Mills this high? I might have had the Chiefs number one. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. you found two high-quality offensive linemen and a real keeper in Nick Bolton. They also didn't have a first. Maybe that's the key. That's the way I look at this because, look, Davis Mills played okay, and if you're going to mm-hmm. uh, weight this as far as, you know, uh, a quarterback's PFF war, right? That's one thing because the the position is so valuable. But to to get and I wonder where Davis Mills, by the way, ranks on another list that we're going to talk about at some point here on the podcast. I don't think we'll have time to do it today. But you you sent me the QB index, right, where the quarterbacks are ranked one through 
Was one through 62. Six, 62. I guess okay. 62 different guys started a game this week, this year. Gotcha. So Greg Rosenthal ranked them one to 62. Okay, great. Oh, good. Yeah, I'm interested to hear how Greg Rosenthal ranks those things then because that's a, I think that'll be very interesting because where does Davis Mills rank? If you got yourself the 32nd best starter in a draft and then you got four other guys in a class that might be dirty starters or backups and that's mm-hmm. the best that's the second best class i have huge problems with that because it's not the second best <laughs> right. class i'll take half of these classes over that even if davis mills is good and becomes a, a solid starter and i kind of feel the same way about looking at this patriots class ranking them number 1 look they got a lot of production from mac jones here and he earned a pretty good PFF grade, but when you look at this class and what they gave you this year, Christian Barmore, solid player, uh, Ramondre Stevenson, you know, backup running back could be a, a future starting caliber running back. A good class. They hit in some picks. They have some value, but the best class, whether it was just from rookie production or looking ahead, I, I don't see that either way as as crowning them with the top class. There's some other at least competitors for the top spot with the Patriots there. More of the top and bottom ranked draft classes from 2021. How Matt or I would rank some of these classes, our favorite and least favorite classes from 2021 coming up. Football might be over this season, but basketball is full steam ahead for both pro and college hoops. And of course, the tournament, there is nothing more fun than wagering on than that NCAA college basketball tournament from all the latest odds totals player performance props to where the next fired head coach is going to land to nfl draft props you can still bet on football super bowl futures absolutely at betonline.net which is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs and hey maybe we'll even get a baseball season to bet on this year bet online remains the best spot for all your sports scores and even news this season not just basketball not just football hockey boxing ufc odds right to your favorite casino games as well so head over to the website or mobile device and learn more about the trends and action at bet online where the game starts some head scratchers here matt in these 2021 draft class rankings oh man see the the raiders ranked four i I thought they were not a star heavy class even though maybe they produced in a certain way because they played enough of the rookies i'm definitely taking classes like the cleveland browns over that i would take the the lions over those top two classes with panay sewell you get a franchise offensive tackle amonra st brown you developed a starting caliber uh, wide receiver in the fourth round uh you got you know anzarike you got uh some potential you know starters or 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 backups like I like that class a lot more. So I look through these, and Jalen Waddle alone is better. Than I was going to bring up classes. Miami. Yeah. Miami really stands out to me as being way too low here. Waddle, Jalen Phillips, mm-hmm. who I think is going to be a star. Javon Holland was one of the better safeties in the league, in my opinion. And I think Eichenberg will be a long-term starter, and Hunter Long's a good player. I mean, yeah. that's a great class. They got four starters and a couple of potential superstars. Yeah, I mean, and I don't care where they took them. They had two first, two seconds. I mean, that's not what we're doing here. We're just saying right. who had the best rookie class, you know, not the, the value of where the picks were. Yeah, Miami was one I thought was way too low. Absolutely, absolutely. So when I look through these classes, I'm seeing a lot of classes in the in the middle of this that uh, I would take all day long over uh, maybe some classes that, that maybe produced higher war values uh, with those with those rookies. And it's fun to kind of go through this and look at what these classes look like after their rookie season, which is really the main reason I wanted to do yeah, this on yeah. today's podcast. And I'm looking at the the Los Angeles Chargers who are ranked eighth on this list and Rashawn Slater I think was a a slam dunk pick for them at at pick 13 in the first round last year and they've got a franchise left tackle and I like Asante Samuels a starting cornerback um 
They got Josh Palmer at wide receiver who could give them some things. Chris Rumpf, a little rush off the edge. Roundtree played a little bit at running back. Um, I love those late-round running backs. So, you know, solid class there, too, which – which um, and, it, and it also reminds me of how good this first round was last year because you keep going down the yeah. list. You've got the Eagles who drafted Devontae Smith, Smith, and they got good. a starting right. caliber long-term center. Landon Dickerson, right? Milton Williams played off, off, awesome for I the Philadelphia really Eagles. Yeah. That was a fantastic draft class. So uh, a lot of really. I mean, good you don't classes. get the Dallas in the middle, and they had one of the best rookies in the league. You know, Micah <laughs> right. Parsons. You know, yes. Um, so here's a question: that kind of you mentioned the Chargers, and with all respect to Davis Mills, who I just said, wow, I said good things about him. I like Davis Mills. I think Davis Mills will be the Texans' starter next year, and I have hope for him to be a pretty good player. Isn't Slater more valuable than Mills? Yes. I mean, he's a left tackle. I know nothing's more valuable than a quarterback. But an all-pro left tackle, you know, that's a lot of weight to be thrown on that. He's more valuable now based on what I think Mills is and what he will become. If Davis Mills becomes a superstar quarterback, obviously that's much more valuable. But I, I don't know how you can project that based on his rookie season. So, you know, and if and in a lot of ways... I think, you know, it's valuable to have, to have developed a quarterback. If you develop the 25th to 35th best quarterback in the league, you get credit for developing value. But how much does that really help your franchise when you still have a quarterback on the other side that's better than your team's quarterback almost every week in the NFL? Or you could have been bad at quarterback and maybe earned a different pick and, and, and made yourself get better, forced yourself into a situation where you have to get a different quarterback who could potentially be better than that, and use that pick on a player who is a, a stud at another position to help that future quarterback who's better than the quarterback you ended up with and, and get that QB purgatory going. You know, So uh, that's where I would really skew things in some different directions than the way this list was put together. Yeah, and you know, like if they did this a year ago, even after Burrow got hurt, Cincinnati and the Chargers should be at the very top of the list. Because not only did they find have a good year out of their rookie, but it looked like they could become stars. You know, it, is Mac Jones going to become a star? Maybe. Is Davis Mills going to become a star? Doubtful. I think he'll be a starter. So, you know, to me, a Slater pick, maybe a Sewell pick, you know, uh, a Parsons pick might carry more weight than Davis Mills by himself. And it wasn't like the rest of Houston's class was awesome. Here's one I have a real problem with. Okay, I, I was about to say the same thing. Yeah, the more I look at this list, the more problems I actually find here. Can I can I actually just go ahead and talk about your Pittsburgh Steelers so you don't have to here? Yeah, I see please. them in the middle at 16, which is ridiculous because – and I know running back value. I don't love the value, but they did get a good player who's valuable in the first player, round yeah. with Najee Harris. They got a starting tight end in Pat Fryermuth in the second round, a starting center in Kendrick Green who maybe didn't have uh, – you know, had some, some ups yeah. and downs as a rookie. I think he's a really good player. I loved that pick at the time, and I think you know you get a starting caliber player. That's three starters that they got. Dan Moore is sure. going to be the starting left tackle too. And, I mean, and I yeah, think, He's not Anthony Munoz, but he's a starting left tackle. And I don't know if you credit – Pittsburgh for it because Quincy Roche they drafted but he ended up uh, on another roster right <laughs> but and he as was a giant I think and did pretty well uh, yeah he's a pretty good pass rusher you know as a reserve guy yeah. that you drafted in the sixth round so um, I actually like that class quite a bit and I like it quite a bit more than some others and my biggest problem they got a lot from it <laughs> my biggest problem on the list is the team right behind them the Seahawks at 17 me too that's what I was about to say like how are they 17 it's insane they drafted three they- players they drafted three players, and they're a, a second rounder, a fourth rounder, and a sixth rounder. And the second rounder, Dwayne Eskridge, like hardly played all year. So how are they ahead of anybody? They had three guys and 
Trey Brown and Stone Forsythe aren't enough to make you middle of the pack in rookie classes. It's it makes a, no sense to me. I'm going to go through this a little more. Right now, they're definitely the bottom class. In, in, in I mean, and they drafted three players. They probably, worse, right. you know, uh, they probably went into the whole thing. John Schneider is like, we're going to have the worst draft class this year out of all the teams. You know, let's hope yeah, we hit on a guy. Um, Trey Brown played a little bit at corner, fourth round pick, but that's not enough to carry this class up to 17 for sure, and probably not no. enough to carry him out of, out of the bottom three classes. Two or three, right. Yeah, <laughs> three guys. It's just asinine. There, there's no level of analysis or statistics that would back up the Seattle Seahawks, Seahawks 2021 draft class being the 17th best in the league. Right. I mean, if it was 30th, I might have a complaint that it's too high. <laughs> yes, exactly. Here's You're another right. one. Here's another one. I have another one I have a complaint with. Go okay. ahead. Is it, is it in the same division? Mm, who are we just talking about? Uh, the My Seahawks? Stopped working with uh, NFC West? Uh, no, but it's shortly after on the list. I've got one in the NFC West, a team we talked about yesterday in the Los Angeles Rams. And again, a team without a first-round pick. They drafted a whole bunch of players. Uh, As always. I don't know. Who's good? I don't know if any of them are good. There right, might right. be some that are good. That I liked yeah. Bobby Brown as a fourth-round pick, uh, defensive tackle. Uh, you know, Jacob Harris is a, a high upside player, but he could wash out just as easily. Sure. Jake Funk. Uh, we talked about Jake Funk as being a player who's probably not going to do much for your fantasy, your dynasty leagues. Don't you know? You don't need to roster him over the offseason, I don't think. No. Um, Tutu Atwell is 150 pounds. You know, Ernest Jones, inside linebacker from South Carolina. Where's Where's the? How would this not be one of the worst classes? And probably maybe just a li- just because of the number of players they got better than that Seattle Seahawks class, but there's not many worse classes than that, even though they drafted a whole bunch of bodies. 100% agree. Um, side note, I just heard this yesterday and wrote it down last night because I want to throw it out there for your AFC West brethren, and I'm sure you're aware of this, but Arizona is the only team in your division this year that has a first-round pick. How about that? Um, so once again, the Rams won't. I can't put the Rams at 24. And here's two that I have a problem with, too. I mean, right above the Rams, 23 the Bengals got Jamar Chase and Evan McPherson. That in itself <laughs> is worth Davis Mills, isn't it? I mean, let oh, alone yeah. and Jackson Ty- Carmen and Cameron Sample and Osa. I mean, some yeah. other guys that look like they might help. Absolutely. They got Jamar freaking Chase. Yeah, Jackson Carmen might be a starting uh, at least guard Next tackle year? for a long yeah, right. time. Um, Deontay Smith, uh, a developmental offensive tackle that I liked a lot. Tyler Shelvin yeah. played a lot for he them plays. down the stretch. Yeah, right, Run-stuffing right. defensive tackle. Cam Sample. So that was an amazing class, to be honest with you. Not even just Jamar pretty Chase. good. So that needs to be top five at least, easily. Just I because, agree. And I think you get extra points, too, because me included, I was looking at that class thinking, man, you got to address offensive line. They did in the second round instead of the first. Does mm-hmm. that? But they nailed the Jamar Chase pick, even though there's a lot of scrutiny on that. And everyone thought, not everyone, but a lot of people thought they should go offensive tackle, maybe go Penae Sewell with that pick. And they made the right pick. So I think yeah. they even get extra credit. We might push them even higher on the list for me if I was writing this. But 23 for that class, just Jamar Chase alone is better than most of the classes we've talked about so far. I know, and I threw a McPherson there, too. I mean, the kicker. I, I mean, I know he's a kicker, but he looks pretty darn good. I mean, if he can be a kicker for 10 years, it's really worth it. Here's another one I had a problem with was the Jets. They are at uh, 20. And, hey, Zach Wilson wasn't good as a rookie. I mean, uh, I'm not going to defend him. Um, I, I'm worried about him, but he played a lot of snaps as a rookie. And was he drastically worse than Mills? Eh, he was worse, but he wasn't cavernously worse. Elijah Vera Tucker's going to Pro Bowls. I'm in love with Elijah Moore. I think Michael Carter's a good pick. Like, 
you got a starting quarterback and three other pieces. I don't think you should be 20. I think you should be 10. Yep. I totally agree there. And and that that's the hardest part of this list is those rookie quarterbacks. Most of them played poorly. How do you rate those classes? Right, because right. they could be absolute superstars, and we're doing this list in a few years. And, um, you know, it's just it far outweighs everything else value-wise in these draft classes, even if they didn't play amazing in their rookie year. I mean, if you're going to – if we're redrafting the last year's draft, and I know that's a different exercise, Trevor Lawrence is still the first pick. Yes. Oh, no doubt. Yeah. No doubt. Mm-hmm. No doubt. I mean, the the Patriots would trade Mac Jones for Trevor Lawrence in one shake of a lamb's tail. I mean, like as quick as you possibly could. Let's but go- I understand. I'm looking at theirs. They're thirtieth, and I don't have a problem with that, considering the way Lawrence played and got nothing from ATN and. It's actually a pretty bad class outside of Lawrence. <laughs> Let's count them up from the bottom of the class, starting at okay. 32. And I don't disagree here. Very similar to the Rams class, but they had even more players and didn't get a lot of production. But this is still better, in my opinion, than the Rams or Seahawks classes. So uh, at this point, I think the Vikings still should not have been 32, even though it doesn't look like a great class right now. But they got a starting offensive tackle in Christian Derrissaw in the first round. That alone trumps what Seattle did and likely what... Uh, Los Angeles did too. Kellen Mond doesn't look like a great pick in the third round at this point. Chaz Surratt inside linebacker. Wyatt Davis, uh, Patrick Jones, pass rusher out of Pittsburgh. Uh, Nwangu, the the speedy running back from Iowa State, who played a little bit for him. He had uh, some injuries. They they drafted a ton of players. I think they got some some four thirds and three fourths. Right. Yeah. And that was only half the class. I mean. Janarius uh, right. Robinson, Smith Marset played a little at wide receiver for them. Jalen Twyman, Zach Davidson, Cameron Bynum. There was ten players in this in this draft class for the Vikings, and they've done this for the last few years and had a ton of late round picks. At least they're developing some depth onto their roster and, and, and maybe a starter or two. And I think for sure a starter or two in there, especially on the offensive line. So that's a solid class and much better than what we saw. It might not be a you know a top of the league class but much better than some of those bad classes we talked about there and 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 right now rams are 31 and the seahawks are 32 to me and those are both clearly behind the vikings class more on the lowest ranked classes and some draft classes that matt and i think are underrated coming up let's talk about the vikings for a minute because first of all i think christian derisaw proved enough this year that he's a long-term starting left tackle that in itself makes you better than 32. Yes. If I got my left tackle in this draft, that makes you better than 32. And you mentioned all the picks they've made. And I went back and I looked at the last three years, and this to me warrants a, a change in front office. They've made 38 draft picks in the last <laughs> three years. And who are the core young guys for the Vikings that you're building around? Justin Jefferson, Derisaw. All the early Maybe picks. Yeah, what's that? Yeah, I mean, yeah, the first rounders. I mean, I'm sitting there staring at all these names. Like, who can I not live without that's on that first rookie contract? You know, Irv Smith's a nice player, but he missed the whole year. You know, like, you made 38 picks in three years. You should have 10 guys on cheap contracts that are foundational yes. players. And diminishing returns on that because you can't continue to to keep 10 players every year. So in a lot of ways, you're right, probably right. developing a, you know, a backup for another team because you can't keep them all anyway. And it, it does, you can't keep them around long enough to develop and find out what they really are. And who knows, maybe there is some, some stars in some of these draft classes in the mid to late rounds that didn't get to play a lot as a rookie. And we don't know about them right, yet. Right, but just right. judging by what we know after their rookie seasons. Yeah. Um, I, I think 
they need uh, maybe, yeah, and I think that's why there was some change there for Minnesota this offseason. Just a lot of misses. I mean, that's a lot of bites at the apple and not getting any food in your mouth. You know? How about this? At 31, it's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They drafted. Yeah, I was going to bring them up. Uh, at the last pick of the first round as Super Bowl champs, they drafted Joe Tryon out of Washington, a pass rushing edge player, and then a quarterback in Kyle Trask. I don't know. Is he a long term backup? Is he? Does he end up being the starting quarterback for them and take over for Tom Brady this year? I don't know. But already, I like this class more than Seattle or Los Angeles. And like, I'm not the biggest Trask fan. But I can't view that pick as a negative. I mean, you might have a starter. You might have even a – even if he's a 10-year backup, it's worth that pick. You know, I mean, so I, I, I would not view that as a negative. I, I, I mentioned earlier that the three teams that played the most rookie snaps, but I'm almost certain Tampa played the fewest. And I, I don't know where to exactly find that team. I had it earlier in the, during the regular season, but – not a lot of those guys contributed right away, but they have so many free agents. They're going to have to next year. Yeah, still a lot of projection with this class, and it's all it's all based on that first rounder, Joe Tryon, and, and what kind of an edge player right. he becomes for Washington, and they're going to need that depth when they, they age out and lose some of their free agents on the defensive line, and we'll see how good this class is later. But they didn't play a lot, so I understand why they're ranked lower after a rookie season where they, they got really no production from their rookie class. Okay, I found one of my old documents. I just wanted to throw this out there because I have the, the, the top 10 teams in terms of rookie snaps played and the bottom 10 teams. You want me to spit these out real quick? Yes. Okay. Um, the Lions played the most snaps, almost, almost 5,300 snaps. Then the Jets, the Steelers, and they were significantly higher than everyone else in the league. The Eagles, the Dolphins, who we mentioned, who had a really good year. Broncos, Raiders, Falcons, Chiefs, Chargers. All those teams got more than 3,000 snaps out of rookies. The Jets leading the, or the Giants are the only one with over 5,000. The Steelers and Jets are the only ones over 4,000. The fewest, I was right. The Bucks only played 735. You know, so three teams were under 1,000 the Rams, the Seahawks, and the Bucks. Well, Seahawks didn't draft anybody. <laughs> and and then these teams were in the thousands, were the Vikings, Colts, Cardinals, Bills, Titans, Saints, and your Niners got 1,800 snaps, give or take, from their rookie class. Ooh, we'll get to the Niners in a second because they are among the bottom five classes listed here. Uh, still counting up, the Jacksonville Jaguars are the 30th ranked class, and this is another very difficult one. On one hand, I didn't love the class after the top pick. No. Trevor Lawrence, there was no other way to go there. Uh, I think he showed enough as a rookie where, you know, he's a really talented guy, and let's see what a new coaching staff looks like there. So immediately, they should be better than 30th, and they drafted a lot of players, and they drafted some players that I think are going to be um, successful in the league. But, again, the the first round running back, they drafted ATN at 25, and then immediately tried to make him a wide receiver somehow, and then he blew out his knee, unfortunately. Zero so, snaps from him, right. I just, you know, just a lot of lot of questions about that pick like what are you doing changing a guy's position and um you, almost, just and you had james sense. robinson it's one of the only positions yes. you were okay at. right yeah right. the the one place you didn't need to waste a pick on a, a running back and if you want a receiver draft the receiver but, right 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 no but, i hear you there. but of course you know they'll try to everyone will talk about oh he's the next debo i'm sure that's exactly what the training that's camp stories like those stories are already written for jaguars training camp with atn coming back from his uh ac it was acl tear right i think so yeah the Tyson Campbell pick, also a head-scratcher, the first pick in round two. Then they traded away their first-round pick from last year, C.J. Henderson, just to make room for a worse prospect, right? 
So what, right. what are you doing wasting these top 33 picks? Pick 25 and pick 33, you're just throwing picks away at this point if you are the Jaguars. And I did like Tyson Campbell, and I thought that was the right area for him to go in. But it just, you know, team building-wise, it was a little bit odd what they're doing there. And and they're either throwing away a first from the year before or, or wasting an extra picks, you know, at cornerback to not get more talented at the position. Then Walker Little from Stanford too high for a guy who had so many injuries. This is a classic Trent Balky pick with, you know, coming off of injuries and he's trying to get some value but ends up drafting him in the place they were supposed to go in the first place and doesn't get the the extra value. If he's a fourth round pick, it makes more sense than if he's drafted in the top 50, which he was and we'll see what he turns out to be. But then still some okay players, you know, uh, uh Andre Cisco safety, Luke Farrell tight end, you know. So they got some talent and maybe some mm-hmm. uh some good players on the roster. So it's definitely not the worst class. I don't think it's the 30th but I think they could no. have done a ton more with the resources they had, especially with 1.1 being such a slam dunk in Trevor Lawrence. Right, and they're not giving points for, was it hard to make the pick? Anyone could have drafted Lawrence at one. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I mean, he, he didn't have a great year, whether it's his fault or not. I think Walker Little will be a starter maybe next year. Um, it's a little rough to put him that hard, but it wasn't a great draft class. And I'm, I pulled up their draft history. You mentioned C.J. Henderson. I mean, these have been their high picks lately. I mean, you mentioned this year's an ATN. They got nothing from Tyson Campbell at 33. They got very little from CJ Henderson was at nine. Uh, Kevion chase on was at 20. LaVisca Chenault was at 42 and I'm not writing the book on chase on or Chenault yet, but it hasn't gone well. Yeah. Uh, and the, you know, I, I just want to add to those players too. Cause you look at them and you think, okay, I, I can, I can see where the talent is and what the vision is for them, but are you going to use them in that role? Because there's, and I talked about this uh, earlier this week with you, Matt, and the difference between positionless football and a player who can do a lot of things well or a player who's a tweener and can't really do any of them all that well. And I think Caleb on chase on as athletic as he is, he gets in that, is he an edge or is he an off-ball linebacker? And you're wasting his pass rush ability and explosiveness off the edge if you use him as an off-ball backer. So I don't think that's, the great way to do them but if you don't have a, a really multiple looking front on defense and you can't use them in that regard and they already have sort of an undersized edge guy in Josh Allen there uh, in Jacksonville and then if you're if you're using him as just a pure off-ball linebacker you're wasting his edge talent but he's not big enough to hold up against the run you know so he becomes very tweenery there and I think Chenault too they envisioned being and, someone yeah. who uh, could move around and do a lot of different things and they just didn't they just stopped using him too so you know what's going on there what's the plan draft the player and have a vision for him and then utilize him in that vision. Yeah. I think chase on's a definition of a tweener in a bad way. As you said, gets pushed around the line of scrimmage and really doesn't excel off the ball, especially in coverage. Uh, Chenault, somebody I might try to grab in dynasty though. This a new staff comes in here and figures out a way to use a guy. I mean, his stock has fallen through the roof or you know, through the floor. Um, but other than Josh Allen, who they took at seven, the, the edge rusher that you mentioned, the other high picks lately, Jawan Taylor, not with the team. Taven Bryan, not with the team. DJ Chark, about to not be with the team. Fournette, Cam Robinson, Jalen Ramsey, you know, Dante Fowler, TJ Yeldon, Luke Jokel, you know, Julian Blackman. I mean, these are all really high picks that they're getting zero from. You know, I know it's a new staff there now, right. but wow. Yeah, new staff, new year, but it's, it's, a, it's a problem. It's an ongoing problem. <laughs> it's a bit problem. of a trend. The 29th worst class is my San Francisco 49ers, and I understand partially. I don't have a problem with it. Maybe you do. Oh, I have a huge problem with it at 29, and first of all, below some of the bad classes we've talked about. Well, compared to Seattle. Yeah, and and first of all, um, you start at the top, 
and Trey Lance, you got a you know a super talented young quarterback, which is a ton of value, and I'll take that over mm-hmm. half the classes here, just period. Even if of course, he becomes of course. a bust, um, and he played okay. Like he he started two games, and if you compare his two starts and how they looked versus some of the other rookie quarterbacks' two starts, including the number one class here, Mac Jones, he threw three interceptions in his third start. So Trey Lance looked all right in his second start. I think that compares favorably and and looks good if you're projecting the future for Trey Lance with how good he looked uh, in some of the the small samples and obviously some work to be done as well for Trey Lance and where this class gets deemed is day two their second round pick day two is Aaron worth, Banks yeah. Aaron Banks gave him nothing he's looking like a lot like I don't I, first of all not a scheme fit I never understood the Banks yeah he's a big masher I yeah it makes no sense at all top yeah. 50 pick on him didn't play I think he might have gotten a garbage time snap or two maybe this year but he was mm-hmm. a healthy scratch most of the time and he's a guard only player so he couldn't help out at center or tackle either as a depth piece so he was just on the bench and playing close most of the year um and then Trey Sermon got beat out by Elijah Mitchell, the third round pick. So the that's day good th- and bad. <laughs> well, that's exactly my point. Day two yeah. looks terrible for the Niners with Trey Sermon and Banks not impacting at all. And Trey Lance didn't get on the field a lot, so not a lot of production to go on. But you look beyond that, and the 49ers have been so good on day three since John Lynch took over as GM. They got a starting running back who was nearly a 1,000-yard rusher as a rookie in Elijah Mitchell in the sixth round. They got a safety out of USC in Talanoa Hufanga, where I think he's going to be the starting strong safety next year with Jatwaski. Okay. So him and Lenore I don't know a lot about. Yeah, and he started a lot of games, uh, Hufanga did, and, and, and played a lot because of the injuries in the secondary. And I believe they're going to let Tart walk, which – Opens the door yeah, for Hufanga, yeah. and maybe he'll have to compete with another rookie. But maybe a starter there, but a, a special teams demon at worst in the fifth round, right? And a, and a reserve that could play some dime linebackers. So a nice pick there in the fifth round. Diamador Lenore, uh, same story. He's probably going to be the starting nickel corner when Kwan Williams leaves in free agency. And, and he even started a game for them outside corner. The other corner, Ambry Thomas, in the third round, started out the year bad. But he solidified himself as the starter in the, uh, late in the season and into the playoffs. And it looks like he's going to... Unless they make a big splash in free agency and they don't have a lot of money, that's maybe three starters, not counting a potential superstar quarterback that they drafted in the first round. Jalen Moore actually looked pretty good in some spot duty, too, uh, that could be a super sub offensive lineman, could even be become a starter uh, at one of the guard spots and, or, you know, and could play both tackle spots, fifth rounder out of Western Michigan. So actually, the 49ers draft class... They didn't get a lot of production year one from the top of the draft, but man, this actually could be a fantastic class. And, you know, we'll find out in a couple years what Trey Lance becomes. They might have gotten four or five starters. So, like, that's, that's a, this, this class is super valuable, and you have to peel back a couple of layers to, to really see it. But the fact that they got a superstar running back in Elijah Mitchell is already better than, you know, the Rams and the Seahawks that, that we've already yeah, talked about yeah. here. So. Yeah, twenty nine. I'll be honest. When I said I didn't have a problem with it at twenty nine, I immediately focused on Banks and Sermon and thought, well, you know, you kind of blew day two. Um, I wouldn't hold the Lance pick against them at all. I mean, again, they're not talking about what these players are going to become. It's what they contributed in year one. So he's just a wash. I mean, he's just kind of a neutral. I mean, and, and frankly. Didn't he have a better year than Zach Wilson? You know, I mean, I know one played and the other didn't, but one played bad. Um, and if you're going to give the Steelers credit for Najee Harris, shouldn't you give the Niners credit for Elijah Mitchell? I mean, they were right. the two leading rushers from the rookies, you know, and both played really well. 
Absolutely. So I probably put the Niners. I, and I, I'm not arguing that they have to be the top class, the top at the top or anything like that. But they mm-hmm. definitely deserve to be ahead of some other classes we talked about, including the the fifth worst team here. And we'll stop here unless you have any other thoughts. The Indianapolis Colts are ranked 28th here, and um, they selected Quiddy Pay in the first round, who uh, probably was a little bit of a disappointment. I think he had what four sacks on okay. the year, showed yeah. some flashes. Um, Looking at the rest of the class, you know, backup quarterback and Sam Ellinger in the sixth round, but, you know, a lot of late picks there. They didn't have a third. So, yeah, not a lot of impact there. And if Pay doesn't become a, a, a really good edge player, then somewhat of a, a wasted draft class there. Kylan Granson maybe out of SMU has some potential as a fourth-round pick. But, yeah, not a lot maybe. to get excited about with the, the Colts class and not a lot of production in the rookie seasons. Yeah, it's a good point. I mean, Pay's must, best days may be ahead of him. I mean, that's fine. But, you know, he didn't light the world on fire. I thought he was kind of a dark horse for defensive rookie of the year when they picked him and, you know, just as a pure pass rusher. But I thought the uh, Ojin Debo pick from Vanderbilt was really curious, too, because they went back-to-back defensive ends, and he had an Achilles when they drafted him, and he didn't show up until halfway through the season for Indy and, you know, didn't light the world on fire as you would expect. So maybe that's a really good pairing going forward, but – um not that many picks in general. Two of their picks were seventh rounders and, you know, only four picks in the top 165. And Sean Davis to me is not an impact player. Ellinger will be lucky to be a backup for his career. You know, so what'd you really get? I think a little, I I think they're sleeping a little bit on the Baltimore Ravens class. Just a couple more notes here. Uh, Yeah. I looked at that too. Rashad Bateman. I think he showed enough, even though he was hurt most of the year, he showed enough to be like, okay, this is, this is going to be a really good player in in the NFL. Mm -hmm. And then Owe uh, at the end of round one, again, ton of talent. And both those guys are going to develop and be better in future years than they were as rookies. But I thought production wise and what this class could be in the future, Ben Cleveland starting guard, you know, maybe long-term for them uh, and some depth pieces later. I thought that was a solid draft class, you know, very Baltimore Ravensy draft class that, you know, added starters and has talent to it. Yeah. Agreed. Um, I will defend. I don't know who, what, who the exact writer was. It looked like they're referencing pro football focus grades heavily here, yes. which, to me, it's okay, but I mean, if you're just looking at it of let's add up all the snaps and multiply it times the pro football focus grade, I don't think you're going to get a real barometer of how good the class was. And again, we're not talking about how good the class will become. You know, what did they get in year one? So I sort of see that logic of you know building this article that way, but then you know a team like Seattle doesn't have any negative grades because nobody they don't have any guys right and that's where it gets dicey because so you're just you get the 15th best class if you didn't draft any players because nobody played yeah if you just didn't show up for the draft because you you didn't miss on any picks then either right so just the method of it doesn't make a lot of sense and if you were just going based on if this was just a list of the wins above replacement that every class got it's like okay well there's nothing else to to, but they didn't just do that they 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 factored Mm -hmm. in some other things and and the way um, the way they did it just doesn't make a lot of sense here. But mostly, I just wanted to look at some of the classes and and um, I forgot some myself. of these names. Right. You know, they disappeared during the year if they're not your favorite team. You know, some exactly. of the fifth rounders and stuff. Yeah, I think that was a good exercise because we're going to dig into draft stuff going forward. You know, and the other thing is what we think we know about this class. What this class is listed at in this article is all going to be on its ear and out the window 
probably next year at this time and definitely a couple of years from now, right? So that's what's going to be really fun is when you go back and look at a class from three years ago, which is probably what sh- we should do with maybe the, the 2019 class coming up yeah, this right. season, Matt. And so and that would be fun to go back and look at some some past classes that you can really start to draw some conclusions on. Yeah, uh, that is a, a good exercise for the offseason when things calm down maybe a little bit. And, you know, who, who's had consistently – strong classes year after year and you know those type of things there's some good studies there absolutely and probably a lot of correlations to a lot of the playoffs teams this year was how they drafted three years ago so that's a future episode here on peacock and williamson tomorrow's show we'll have guest ross jackson the host of locked on saints he's going to be our resident cap expert and you have to be a cap expert if you cover the new orleans saints daily we're going to figure out what's going on with the new orleans saints salary cap can they really just erase $75 $75 million over the cap like that with the snap of a finger. Uh, we'll get that information and more from Ross Jackson tomorrow. Thanks, everybody, for making us your first listen every single day right here on Peacock and Williamson. For your second listen, check out Locked On Dynasty featuring Matt Williamson. Uh, if you're not a 49ers fan, I'm doing Locked On 49ers every day, but your team is covered right here on the network no matter the sport. Matt and I back tomorrow right here, Peacock and Williamson.